We're going to have two testimonies this morning. Um, Finley Molina is going to share and then Keith Engberg. I just want to read you some scripture to set this up and then we'll go. All right? This is from our reading this week. Every bit of the scripture will be from Acts chapter between 1 and 7 that we read this week. Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. And a man who had been lame from his mother's womb was being carried along whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, in order to beg alms of those who were entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began asking to receive alms. So here's this handicapped guy, been crippled his whole life. They pick him up, they carry him, they send him at the gate, Beautiful, to the temple, and he begs. That's how he survives. But Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze on him and said, Look at us. And he began to give them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazarene, the Nazarene, walk. And seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. With a leap, he stood upright and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then we jump to Acts chapter 4. 13 through 20. So Peter and John, they're going in. It's the time of prayer for the day. They're, they're about to go into the temple through the gate that's called Beautiful. There's this guy crippled from birth. You find out later. I don't know if I've got it in this reading, but he'd been that way for 40 years. And that particular day, he holds out maybe his little cup so that they might just throw a penny or something in there. And they said, silver and gold, we have none. But what we have, we give to you. The kingdom. Okay, a little further ahead. Now as they observed the confidence of Peter and John. Well, let me give you a little context. Peter and John are now before the Pharisees, the court. And they're, they're telling them, you've got to stop talking about this Jesus. And, and Peter and John, this is the context of where they're at now. As a result of what happened at the Temple Gate Beautiful, they stirred up the people. Because now everybody's talking about Jesus, the religious leaders. Now as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. That's how I want to be recognized, as having been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in reply. But when they had ordered them to leave the council, they began to confer with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For the fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place through them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so that it will not spread any further among the people, let us warn them to speak no longer... To any man in this name. And when they had summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. That's what's going to happen today when Finley and Keith get up here. The last part I want you to read. Now, they, they warned them, they threatened them, and then Peter and John went back to the rest of the disciples and the apostles. And this was their prayer. And now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence or boldness. While you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. 
See, that's what happens. When we hear the testimony of Jesus, it causes us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The whole place shakes and we speak the word of God with boldness. That's what's happened to these guys now. Keith is like, he can't shut up. I don't, you could ask Keith about the weather and you're going to hear about what Jesus did in his life. You could say, Keith, hey, look at, you know, there's a big boulder about to fall on your head. He'd say, okay, in just a minute, we're going to get out of the way. But right now, you need to hear about what Jesus has done in my life. Boldness. They were threatened and their prayer was, make us more bold, Lord. Hallelujah. Okay, with that, um, Finley, are you someplace where I can? There he is, Finley. All right. Finley's going to come up and share an amazing testimony. Um, we tried to film it and clip it down to five minutes so we could you know, kind of manage it in our time scheme, and there's no way we could do it. It's better that Finley tells you. Oh, breathe, 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 breathe. So this is Finley Molina. If you would welcome him, please. Thanks, buddy. Good morning. My name is Finley, as he was saying. It's with an F. I li- you know, usually uh, I have to repeat. Uh, oh, right here? Okay. Usually I have to repeat my name a couple times so people will remember it. Uh, the way it goes is usually I say, hi, my name is Finley. And they're like, oh, nice to meet you, Stanley. <laughs> so it's Finley with an F. All right. Um, uh, about a month ago, uh, some of you knew that um, or known that I was having, I was having heart problems. And um been having these heart problems it started around uh last december and um they were just like heart palpitations and i guess i should give you a little bit of background too um i work at a fire department i'm a paramedic and um th- i've been having this palpitation so I, I knew what it meant so i kept hooking myself up to the uh to the monitor and i see them and they were here and there and i i know enough about it not to that, that it didn't worry me that much but i was kind of a little uh concerned so, um, anyways, they, they'll come and they'll go, and uh, I didn't really pay much attention to it. I went to the doctors. They told me not to worry about it, so I didn't worry about it. I said, doctors know more than I do. And, uh, well, last month, I got up, and uh, I knew something was wrong. I got up, and I felt like I was going to catch the flu. Uh, I was really, really weak, uh, really tired, but uh, I had to go to work, so I went to work. Uh, when I was at work, I just felt crummy the whole morning, and I, I, I did what I usually do. I, I kept having my palpitations, and I hooked myself up to the monitor, and I could see them. But this time, it wasn't just a random one. They were getting together. They're called Coplands, and, and, you know, and they were getting together, and, and there were more and more and more. I could just, I was like, at first, I thought, well, that's an excuse. You know, I can show this to anybody and go home. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> I, f- I figure, I, you know, I, I printed it, and uh, my intentions were to just go home and rest. I figured they'll go away. And uh, I printed the thing, and it was just couplets and trigemony, which means three. And there'll be one good B, then three bad ones, one good B, two bad ones. And um, I didn't think much of it, so I'm like, I'll just go home. Maybe I'll go to the doctor, and uh, things will, you know, be like they were yesterday. Anyway. I went to my lieutenant. I showed him the paper, and he's like, okay, you know, you should go to the doctor. Let, let us take you. And I said, uh, no, you know, because uh, it's the kind of prideful part of me. I said, no, nah, I'll drive myself. And they're like, um, all right, drive yourself. So I went and um, started changing. Then I came, and uh, they came in, well, just about everybody that was working there. And they're like, well, if we don't take you to the hospital, the chief is going to be pretty upset. He's like, this does not look good. They're like, uh, if this was your patient, would you let him sign off and not take him to the hospital? I said, no. 
I said, but I know better, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and uh, so um, um, after a little bit, I let him talk me into uh, going to the hospital. And um, it was funny because I, I think it was, it was just God knew, what, uh, you know, God knows what he's doing. But it's just I went and uh, got in the uh, rig. I was in the back. I was joking around. And they hooked me up to the monitor again. And I just laying there. And uh, the things started showing up again, just like they were. And uh, it's funny because my partner, who was taking care of me at the time, he said, uh, whoa, if this, this gets any worse, I'm going to have to shock you. And uh, I started laughing. And as I started laughing, I felt my life leaving me. And um, I looked at my lieutenant, and he had an IV. They were going to start an IV on me. And his IV dropped out of his hand. His mouth was wide open. And he had the... Uh, this look in his face, I've seen this look because I get it when I people that I'm taking care of have what I was having. And I heard the monitor alarms go off. When the alarms go off, it's pretty bad. And every single alarm in that monitor was going off. And I was in a, a rhythm called VTAC. Um, those, to explain a little bit of what VTAC is, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a rhythm that kills. There, most people... There's no coming back. Usually it only gets worse before it get, if it gets better. So when I looked at the monitor, I heard the alarms. I, I, and then um, I saw the spikes on the monitor. I knew right then and there that I was dying. And I didn't want to say it. I didn't want to admit that I was dying. But then it's almost like somebody whispered to me, you're dying. And I said, I told the guys, guys, I'm dying. Well, actually, it was more like, I'm dying. You know, <laughs> it, was, it wasn't that calm, believe me. And, and, and uh, as I'm laying there, I, was, I went to grab for something. You know, that in, and it was my instinct to grab for something because I knew that I was leaving, but I, it, it just felt so unexplainable. I knew that something was happening. I knew I was leaving. I went to grab for something, but then I, something in my head told me, there's nothing I can hang on to right now. If where I'm going, there's, there's, if I'm going, I'm going, that's it. And things started to get dark and there was a lot of commotion that uh, to tell you the truth, I don't remember what happened. They were moving so fast, but in my head, everything was so slow and I felt strength leaving my body. I felt like a warm feeling. And then I tried to move my hands. I tried to move my legs and I just could not do it. And I was just laying there and it, it was just seconds, but at that moment, at that very moment, I said, I'm dying, and I, I kind of, um, I guess the, the, just the gravity of the situation wasn't really kicked in in my head, and uh, um, I just stood there, for, I just lay there, and the, the, the only things that came to my head were, I didn't do enough for God in my life, and I'm not going to see my family again, which was really that that was the hardest thing to deal with i have three young kids and and a little boy that is really attached to me and i thought i have four i'm sorry <laughs> i have four kids we're adopting one <laughs> you know you guys know matthew and he's like you know he looks at me if i if i say the sun is you know Blue, he believes what I say, and I just thought how hard it would be for him to grow up without me. And um, I thought, 
I'm not going to see my wife anymore. I'm not going to see my children. But really, it was, I didn't do enough for God. You know, at that moment, it wasn't about money. It wasn't about the things that I had. It wasn't, it was none of that. None of that matter. It's funny when, when people tell you those things and, and, um, you just say, yeah, uh-huh. You kind of think you understand it, but at that moment, when when you think you're dying, you realize that nothing matters in this world, absolutely nothing but your family and God. And um, so um, anyway, they took me to the hospital. Um, somehow, some way, I my heart was able to get out of uh, that rhythm by all by itself, but it was uh, the feeling was still there. So they rushed me to the hospital, and on my way to the hospital, all I did was pray. You know, uh, all all I was doing was praying. I felt that um, um, I needed to make like a new covenant with God, and I uh, I was telling him, "You made a covenant with Abraham, and with all those old people from the Bible. I couldn't remember their names. I could only remember Abraham, and uh, I said, make one with me today." Make one with me. Let me live, and I'll give you my life fully. And um, I've been a Christian for, I'll call myself a Christian for a very, very long time. But, you know, it wasn't until that day that I almost realized what it's like to be a Christian. It just, I was literally filled with the Holy Spirit. And it, you know, I used to not make fun of Pat, but, or, <laughs> but I used to think, you know, um, I, I I had a pretty hard life growing up, and I'd never seen men cry. And I, like, Pat cries, like, every Sunday. And I was like, what is wrong with him, you know? <laughs> and, uh, but then when that happened to me, I knew why he was crying. Like, I understood. You know, I was crying. I didn't understand why I was crying. It's because you feel this overwhelming joy. It's not fear. It's not anger. It's nothing. It's joy. And it's overwhelming, and you want you want to share with everybody, you know. Um, I just wanted to really, um, at that moment, I just wanted to see my family and just talk about God and how great he is. And that's all that was in my head at the very moment. So um, after, uh, after all that, I went to the hospital, and they, um, they still haven't figured out exactly what happened. I think I know what happened. God was kind of trying to wake me up. Uh, they, I'm still waiting for more tests. And um, the, the, uh, everything that I was feeling, the palpitations, have all gone away since, uh, since then. So. <laughs> and I just keep praying that, um, you know, it was, uh, it was, this week has been really hard for me. Uh, we bought a new pop-up to spend more time with our family. It actually created a lot of stress. <laughs> and, I, and it's created, you know, I, now I have to take all the overtime that I can just to, to pay for a darn thing. And, and it's like so much of spending time for my family. So it's been very stressful. And it's just like it's been weighing me down this week. It was really, really hard. And I, I had, like, um, the devil kept really coming at me and, just tell me, just call Pat, tell him you can do it this Sunday. You know, I had about two hours of sleep. I worked last night, and it was such a busy night. It was just, um, usually we get busy nights, but last night was just ridiculous. And um, and I was like, you know, I have, I don't, 
have all the right excuses. I can call Pat and tell him I'm not going. I have to, uh, I have to get some sleep. But, you know, uh, I want her to be here because I want her to share this. Because, you know, I know that maybe somebody in here might wanted to hear, needed to hear these words. And uh, I just want her to share them. And uh, I'm telling you, it's just when you, when you feel God, you don't want to let go. I, I feel like, like he walked by me and I'm just holding on to the hem. You know, I'm being, uh, he's dragging me, but I'm not letting go. I'm not letting go this time. I am going to, I'm going to follow him. I'm rededicated my life and I'm just going to work through everything and with God's grace and through him, everything is possible, you know. So that was, uh, thank you. Whoa, Finley, that was awesome. Thank you so much. God bless you, man. You know, Finley, stay here just a second. Finley, um, born in Peru or... Actually, I, I, he messes with me. We, we have this thing where, where I tell him, you know, he's the nicest Peruvian I ever met. And the next time, the nicest Bolivian. And I never met anybody from Chile like you. And he says, well, you Canadians are just, you know, blah, blah, blah. So we kind of, and now I can't remember. It's either Nicaragua or El Salvador, right? El Salvador. El Salvador. Thank you. Okay. He, I just want to share a little bit. When he shared with me, Isaac and I were sitting with him. And if you know Finley, he's he's a, he's just a reserved guy. He's not a in-your-face, you know, preacher kind of guy. And he just kept saying over and over again, I want to pray with people. I want to talk about Jesus. And it's it's so real when you see what God does, when he finally gets his hand on a man. And he was, he was a wonderful guy before him. But I promise you, heaven is going to move forward faster because of your experience with the Lord. Praise God. Thank you, buddy. All right. Come on up, Keith. Just as Keith is walking up here, about, I don't know, very early in our walk with the Lord, Teresa was, she, she met Jesus a little ways before me, and she was a, um, a youth leader at, at church, and this beautiful blonde girl, teenager, I don't know how old she was, um, was talking to Teresa, and Teresa called me over, and she said, Pat, this is Megan Engberg, and she wants us to pray, and so Megan, who's now married four years, is that right? Four years, just had her anniversary, had a boy, had a sister. Um, just they just had a baby. She and her husband. She she asked if Teresa and I would pray for her dad because he didn't know Jesus and he really needs to know Jesus. And now today, his dad's an, her dad's an elder in the church and he's about to share God's in his life and it's a beautiful testimony too. So Keith Engberg. That's my boy. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, Finley, um, I can see that you're healed. God's going to do a lot of things in your life, and you will turn into a crybaby. Okay, so <clears throat> anyways, um, where to start? Pat asked me to uh, talk about this new house. Most of you know that um, we now have a new house. Uh, so in order to talk to it, I have to go back probably about seven years. So going to be a long story. That's why I grabbed a stool. I'm glad you're all sitting down. If you see anybody falling asleep, smack them, all right? So it started back, uh, I had a job. I made really good money at my job. I had a side business. I had a crew. Um, I told you, Finley. Had a crew and uh, made really, really good money. And um, I was so busy. Uh, you know, I I guess uh, a lot of things in my life had value. Um, I held a lot of things pretty important in my life uh, 
just stuff. Um, so anyways, I sell my, my business because I was too busy. Um, two months later, I lose my job. So I went from being too busy, making really good money, to really nothing. Um, and I was a believer at that time, you know, just fairly knew it, reading God's word and all that kind of stuff. And, and uh, I'm like, wow, what do I do now? So I had a lot of stuff. I had boats. I had... I started selling my stuff, and God started to change me and work on me, mainly because I allowed him to, and that's what it takes. It's like, Lord, you, you have to ask him to change you. He's not going to change you until you're ready to be changed, but he will make you a person that you never were before if you allow him to. So anyways, I started, Lord, what else am I going to do? I have to trust you, okay? So my trust is in you. You said you'll prosper me. You said you'll meet my needs. I'm going to believe it. I got no choice. Um, for one thing, God's word is truth. And if, when you read God's word or you hear God's word, if it doesn't line up what you believe, then you're wrong. And he's right. Okay? So when you start believing that way, saying, okay, your word's true. You said this. You said this. You said this. I'm standing on it, and I'm believing it's true. Um, so... Literally, I had no work, nothing, okay? So I started selling things I had, very thankful that I had them to sell, you know? It's, uh, you know, just a lot of scriptures, you know, don't store up your treasures in a barn where the moss will eat them, where the rust, store up your treasures in heaven, you know? Um, just a lot of things, uh, different scriptures. I don't know scriptures word by word, but I know a lot of them just in here. They're in my heart, you know? And uh, just, you know... God's word says count it all as loss. Truly, you can't, there ain't a thing you're going to take with you except for another person. That's it, you know. And what you did to bring God glory, everything else means nothing, okay. Uh, yeah, God wants us to have things here, and he wants to bless us and all that. But it's where your heart is. That's, that's what counts. So anyways, I, I literally had nothing, no money. Um, a guy offered me a job making $8 an hour. He thought I was nuts because I accepted the job. Um, but I was, it was a humbling uh, experience that God put me through. I hadn't worked for $8 an hour in 20-some years, you know. Um, but I accepted the job. Guy said, show up Monday. Showed up Monday, tools, ready to work. Um, he says, we're not working. So I go home. I go, all right, Lord, I need work. That day, I got five jobs. The guy called me back, says, we're not working tomorrow. I said, let me tell you what I did. I went home. I said, Lord, I need work. I prayed, and I got five jobs today, so I'm not supposed to be working for you, but I thank you for the job. And from that day on, I've been working for myself, um, not making near the money I used to make, but, you know, just come to realize money's not everything. And uh, so I had a house. I lived on a lake. You know, a lot of people's dream is to live on a lake. Uh, I grew up on the lake. I bought a house. 23 years ago, I lived on the lake. Um, we remodeled the whole house. It was, it was a nice home. It was a real nice home on the lake. But God started to show me where I valued things. And one was my house. <clears throat> I, had, I held a, a lot of value to my house. And uh, he really showed me that it's just a house. It really has no value. You can't take it with you. Count it all as loss. All them scriptures. And... Uh, I said, all right, Lord, you know, because I want him to change me. 
because he he has the best for me, and I know that, and I see it more and more in my life. But you know, we're stubborn. It's hard. It's but I think it's really if God sees your heart is willing, he just he wants you to try, and that's what I do. I'm trying. I'm not. I mess up. I'm not perfect. I'm far from it, but I'm trying. Okay, and that's what God wants to see in all of us. And uh, so I said, all right, Lord, I'm selling my house. He actually brought back to remembrance to me that I said I would never sell this house and that I would die in this house. And I said, Lord, forgive me. I don't want to die here. I'm selling it. So I put my house up for sale. And three years went by. couldn't sell my house. And... uh People said, well, maybe it was just a test. I'm like, no, I'm selling my house. I don't care. I'm out of here, you know. So God picked the end of March to finally sell our house. We sold our house. It was a blessing to live there. It was a blessing to have. It was a blessing to sell. Um, Sold my house in the end of March. I had also had a piece of property in Byron. Real estate guy says you can't sell property. Sold it in a week. Sold both of them for above market value. He's like, I don't believe this. I go, I'm telling you, it's God, you know. So uh, we rented for four months while we looked around. But me and Patty go out for rides a lot on back roads. And this winter, we drove by this house that was sitting empty. And I'm like, huh, I wonder what the deal is with that house. Well, about a month and a half later, we're driving by again. And in the meantime, just before this... I found another house that I really, really liked. I wanted a little bit of property. It had 10 acres, nice house, had a pole barn, all this stuff I never had before. It's like, wow, that would be awesome. I'm like, Lord, is there any way? I couldn't imagine owning anything like this. And God really spoke to me and said, I can do beyond what you can imagine. And it's true. I thought he, I thought God was talking about that house, but no. So... So anyways, we're out for a ride again about a month and a half later, and we go by this house again. And as soon as I seen it, I knew it was mine. Didn't know nothing about it. It was not for sale. But I'm like, I know that's my house. I know a lot of you here, I even told you, before it was ever mine, that's my house. I know it's mine. It's, that's going to be my house. I know it. I just stood on it. I believed it. I believe God showed me that that was my house. God really... My wife wasn't sure about another fixer-upper because our last house was a fixer-upper. But God really put in her heart that that was our house also because I have to have my wife go along with me. I mean, my wife will do what I say in the end, but I need her to go along with me with whatever our plan is. So anyways, I go to the township. I find out about this house. Who owns it? The, The guy owns it. It's on five acres. His dad owns 35 acres around it. I'm like, wow. All right, I'll call the guy. So I call the guy. He says, yeah, I'd be interested in selling the house. I said, would your dad be interested in selling any of the land? Because I would like to at least have 10 acres. He said, well, my dad's deceased, and the land belongs to me, and I would like to sell it all. I'm like, is there any way this is possible? You know, thinking back to what God said that he can do, what I think is impossible really is just nothing for him. So we negotiated, and um, 
I guess I have to tell you that what I paid for it. <laughs> uh, we bought the five acres and we bought the land separate um, for $185,000, um, which we reduced our mortgage by $50,000 from our old house. Um, I got to tell you, the land is gorgeous. I think if I tried to find a nicer piece of land in this area, I'd have a hard time finding it. I'm a bow hunter. It's all wooded. It's rolling hills, got swamp. But I'm not telling you this <clears throat> to brag about what I have, but I'm telling you this to brag about what God has done. <clears throat> I, I pinch myself every day. I can't believe it. <clears throat> and uh, it's all because I chose to give my life to God. I feel like he has just heaped blessing on me. And I tell you this, and I tell everybody I talk to, I tell you this because I want God to do the same thing for you guys. If you will just follow God, I'll guarantee you that he will just heap blessing on you. And I'm not talking about getting things. What I've come to realize lately, the biggest blessing in my life beyond what is God has done, and I can tell you a hundred testimonies he's done for me, but the biggest blessing is just knowing God. Um, it really is. It, he's changed my life. I used to be somebody that I made up. I want to be somebody that God has created me to be. You know, and it's, it, I'm telling you, he just changes you if you let him. You have to let him. Um, anyways, this house we bought, the tax assessor showed up. Patty was home. He says, how did you buy this house so cheap? She said, well, or no, he said, was this an inheritance from your father? She goes, well, yeah, kind of. <laughs> she goes, <laughs> she says, this was an inheritance from our heavenly father. And he said, no, no, no. Did you know this guy? How did you buy, you know, he did that. That answer just didn't register with him. So he had a whole list of other reasons why we may have bought it so cheap. She says, no, it was God. So, I mean, just testimony after testimony. My, uh, my other new neighbor, Farmer Brown, been there a long time. He says, you don't know how many people have tried buying that land. Real estate agents. There's been all kinds of people tried buying that land. I said, God gave us this land in this house. It was held for us. He goes, I believe it. He goes, nobody else could buy that place. So then yesterday I get another neighbor stop by. He goes, did you buy this house? I said, yes, I did. He goes, did you buy the land? I said, yes. He goes, all of it? I said, yes. I can't believe I own 40 acres. I mean, really, it's just amazing. So I said, yes, I did. He goes, do you know how much this house was for sale for? 10 years ago? I said, no. He goes, 620000 I said, all I can tell you is this. And I told him the whole story. So I get to tell everybody. I just say, Lord, you prepare the way, and I'll start talking. And once I start talking, you can't shut me up anymore. So I just... I, I tell people because I want the same for them. God can do the same for you and for anybody that you come in contact with if they just turn their life over to God. Uh, 
I'm just God is just so amazing. You know, it just it just blows me away the things that He's done for me. Um, and like I said, I got a million testimonies I could tell you, but testimonies are so powerful. I love hearing what God is doing today in people's lives. I mean, we can read in the Bible and see what God has done, but to hear what God is doing today, we all have testimonies. I don't care if you just started believing today, you got a testimony. And I always witness to people starting with my testimony. Let me tell you what God has done for me. And remember, you all have that. And uh, look, our job is to reach lost people. And God has put people in each one of our lives that only we can reach. Um, So start with your testimony. You know, when somebody's going through something, just say, let me tell you what God has done for me. Because, man, it's testimonies are powerful. A lot of power in testimonies. So anyways, like I said, I'm not bragging about what I got, although I love it. But I'm bragging about what God has done in my life. And I can tell you, like I said, a bunch more of what God's done. But I know you all have testimonies. Please share your testimonies. Finley's testimony. I mean, look at the power of that. Finley's going to be a huge witness for God, you know. And uh, like I said, there's only one thing you can take with you to heaven, and that's people. So, yep. So, anyways, thank you very much. Hello, everybody. Hey, what Keith said is the truth, 100%. I've known Keith Ingberg since we were this big, and uh, we've been really good friends ever since. He is the one that brought me here. We partied hard. Me and this man partied hard, okay? And the last person that I ever thought I would hear saying anything about church, Jesus Christ, anything, is Keith Ingberg. I run into him one day buying corn, and he's talking about church and stuff, and I'm going, Keith? Of all people, you know? So he is the man that got me into contact with God and have a relationship with God as this man right here. I owe it to Keith. And what he speaks is 100% truth. I was at his home yesterday. His father was there. His nephews were there. His wife, Pat, and I rode around on the four-wheelers around the property. He couldn't be no more correct. This property is beautiful. He said the house, when I talked to him the other day, He was doing a job down the road from my house. He said the house is kind of, you know, not that great. And I'm waiting to go over there and see a dump, okay, from the way he described it. I walked in there, and I just went, wow. And I told Pat, I goes, this house is beautiful. I said, you know, I mean, it's a little outdated, but it's so clean, and you could feel the hominess when you walked in this house. And... Like I say, again, whatever this man says is 100% the truth, and he's the reason I am here today. Amen. Okay, to wrap this up. Nope.
Sure. <laughs> I, I served myself for a lot of years. And it took my wife to get me to finally give in to God. But I learned that if I served God, he'd, ser- he'd save my whole house. I watched Keith come to the Lord. I watched Stacy come to the Lord. I've still got a son that's dragging his feet. So we need your prayers as much as you need ours. But this blessing that Keith is, that the Lord has given Keith, this has always been a desire of my heart, too, to have a piece of property like this. Praise God, I've now got it. <laughs> and I don't have to do all the work. <laughs> but, but serving God is just such an awesome thing. And like he says, you, you can't outgive God. You can't, when you serve him, he'll give you the desires of your heart. Without you even asking or knowing, all of a sudden they just pop into your life. And, and I just want to praise God today that for the things that he's done in my life and in my family's life and, and in all of your lives too, because I know he's working in you too. I just thank God. All right, so the, um, I know, <laughs> if, if I forget to take, you just all wave money at me if I forget to take the offering. I, I, I'm getting better about that. I, I just want to wrap up with this. You guys have heard, some of you, maybe not everybody, um, the story about when Annika first came to live with us, and we had the couple of weeks of honeymoon, and then, oh my gosh, you know, and always thought, I, you know, in the flesh, we would do what we thought, you know, was right. We thought we knew what to do, except we didn't know what to do. And the moment that we cried out to the Lord and surrendered our own abilities and said, God, we can't do this. I don't know what to do. Pow. That's when the change started to come. Recently, um, Teresa shared, you know, some of the the things that the Lord has been bringing up in her life. And, and she's had the different ministry and just, just amazing the I don't mean demonic deliverance, but the the deliverance in Teresa's life that's been going on, and uh, the devil was in her ear. And you know, the devil. We're, I'm going to preach on this sometime in the near future. But the battle is in between your ears. It's it's for your thought life. That's where it's at. It's it's holding every thought captive to the obedience of Christ or not, right? And 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 if the if the lies go on so long, and they're such good lies that they start to become in your perception, truth. And so I would tell Teresa, hon, that's the devil. He's got your thoughts right now. And she'd just get mad at me, you know, because nobody wants to hear that, especially from me, um, if it's your husband, right? And one day I just cried out to the Lord. I said, I want my wife back. God, I want my wife back. I don't know what to do. I can tell her. I can see it. But I want the wife that's life was full of joy. I want the wife that was so happy and just every you think she's wonderful you should see now that the lies are all being exposed you need to get ready for what an amazing person is that i married here but i i didn't have anything else to give i found out that i didn't have what it take and i cried out to the lord i said lord i want my wife back 
all of a sudden, that night, we're laying in bed, and I hear this prayer start to come out of Teresa's lips, this out loud prayer of, Lord, forgive me that, that I've listened to these lies. I didn't have to say a word to her. I had to release her to Jesus, seriously, you know? And the deliverance came. Finley Molina, capable man, tough life as a kid from south of the border someplace. <laughs> Ecuador, I think, but I'm not positive. Learn how to do stuff. He's strong. You should see the guy work. He had me come over to help him dig. I'm like, oh, my heart's in palpitation. You're going to have to shock me trying to keep up with him. But my guess is Finley was holding on to his abilities to do things. And God had to get him to the place where he was so broken that he found out that he had nothing to offer outside of Jesus and surrender himself unto the Lord. And he is just jacked up now. Keith Engberg, a he was the last person at a huge company that got bought by another company. Everybody, the CEO, everybody was gone. Keith was the only one left of that original company to let go. You know the guy's a good worker. Had his own business on the side, was making huge money, humbled to the place where he was selling his possessions to pay his bills, was asking the Lord for anything and said, I'll work for 8 bucks an hour because i got to feed my family. It's in that brokenness. It's in that surrender. It's in that release. Now, we had a word today that didn't get to get spoken, but the word was repent. We're, we're asking God to turn our sadness into joy, to turn our mourning into dancing, um, all these things. And what God was saying through the prophet today is, I'm dying to do those things for you, but you have to turn. You have to change the way you think and repent. And in your repentance will come the blessing that we're seeing in these testimonies. And in the testimony comes glory unto God. All right?